talking to some of the best names in contemporary Christian music. This is the Hope FM Artist Interview. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Artist Interview, a podcast by Hope FM. And I'm your host, Gordon T. And it's my privilege to talk to artists from around the world of contemporary Christian music. And this week, we've got somebody who actually is pretty new to the Christian music scene. Uh, they've had one uh, single out that actually has been a great success, I would say, to many. To many is Jesus Happened. So the person we're talking to is Bela Wilson. And boy, does she share from her heart and she bubbles over with joy for Jesus. Um, her stories, I've got to say, as she shared them, she just smiled and beamed. Uh, and she also shared stuff that was hard and difficult, but she's very authentic. Um, so I've really enjoyed chatting with her and I hope that you enjoy listening to this podcast from her. And the first clip of track we're going to hear from her is, of course, from Jesus Happened. And that was Jesus Happened by Bela Wilson. I'm very pleased to welcome Bela to the station for the very first time. Hi, everyone. Hello. God bless you. Jesus Happened. Yes. <laughs> hey, absolutely. He did. And he still does. So, um, Bela, now my, uh, my my thing is I've got to ask a few questions. But I just want to say, first of all, it's an absolute, honestly, I'm so pleased that you're here. I just... I love that track. It's a really, really beautiful track. And it's made me think as I've played, I've played it loads of times. I've got to say, it's one of those tracks that gets a bit stuck in your head in a good way. And I just keep on following myself going, Jesus, I know. You can tell I can't sing, but it keeps on being in there. Some friends of mine told me that the other day. They were, they started whistling. I sang it and then they started whistling it about an hour later. And I was like, hey. Yeah, yeah. It's so it's so it definitely it's just really catchy. But it also, when I keep on hearing myself singing it, I'm a really bad singer, so but in my head I sing a bit better. Um, but uh, but as I keep on noticing myself doing it, it just keeps me thinking about Jesus again. So I know that's the best part. That's the best part about it being like almost like a repeating track just in your head. And when you sing something over yourself like that, he'll show up again and again and again. You know? Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's power in words, and those right. words worth remembering. So. Uh, but I think it's important that we, we, we know your music or we know this track, um, but uh, you've got more music on the way and we'll talk about that in due course. But I think it'd be great for the listeners to actually get an opportunity to connect a bit with you by hearing your story. So uh, we'd love to know, you're, you're quite young. I'm, I think you're quite young. How, how young How young are you is my first question. I'm 27. So 27. Okay, I'm, pretty, that's, I'm below 30, but I still feel like I've lived enough life to have a story, you know? I think that's a reasonable thing to say. So rewind time to whatever point you think is the most sort of suitable time to start. Tell us your life story and how Jesus wove into that. Yeah, so... I love that question because every time, like we were just talking about with the song getting stuck in your head, when I get to tell my story again, the Bible says we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So when I start to tell it, my spirit gets like fired up. And so I just am so thankful that you're even asking. So I grew up in Dallas, Texas. I almost said a little town, but it's a big city, uh, big city, Dallas, Texas. Um, my mom was a single mom. I have a younger sister who's seven years younger. Her name's Abby. And we were the three musketeers. That's what I used to call us. And my mom um, owned a cheerleading gym. So in the States, there's, I don't know if the UK I, I has. only once seen competitive sure cheerleading. Uh, there, was a, there was a cricket pitch at the end of my house in London and all these cheerleaders rocked up. And my daughter, who was probably about six, seven at the time, she liked gymnastics. She was like, man, this is amazing. <laughs> and I was standing there going, man, this is frightening. And they're just, they are throwing people in the air. And I'm like, there's no mats or anything. If they don't catch them, it's going to hurt a lot. So yeah, yeah I, I think most people know. And also in a few sort of films I've watched with my daughter, there's been cheerleading. There's always a baddie cheerleader, I might add. I hope that yeah. you weren't a baddie cheerleader. We'll find out. Okay, so your mum <laughs> ran a cheerleader gym. 
Is that right? Yes. So she, she owned a cheerleading gym, but it wasn't like football, like rah, rah, re. It was like what you talked about, like flipping and stunting. And of course there was unfortunate injuries that I've experienced, but in the midst of all that, I became really athletic and really disciplined, um, just a team player. And that was, that was my sport of choice. Well, also because I was forced because it was my mom's gym. <laughs> yeah. But I fell in love with it. I loved um, the performance aspect and the team bonding aspect and getting to do crazy stunts and flips. And I mean, I was throwing back handsprings and backflips at five years old. So when I had nothing to do and mom was working, I was out on the tumble track on the trampoline, just flipping and flipping. And, you know, <laughs> every once in a while, she'd hear a scream because I'd hurt myself. But praise God, he protected me. <laughs> um, so I grew up in cheerleading and in high school, I decided to switch schools. I was going to a private Christian school um, and I grew up calling myself a Christian mostly because it was very cultural in my town. It was very, um, it was just understood that you were a Christian in my family. And, but no one really explained what that meant to me uh, until later in life. But so I called myself a Christian. I went to church here and there, um, but I didn't, my mom, my sweet mom, she's awesome, but she did the best with what she knew how. And cause she was working full time. And so she would sometimes like read the Bible to me, but oftentimes I was just getting fed through the random worship night I went to, or the random church service I went to, um, which wasn't, I mean, it was good, but it definitely wasn't enough for me to know Jesus yet. So, um, and he's so sovereign and amazing and I love his perfect story in everybody's lives. But, um, if you, if you did grow up in church and you're listening to this, praise the Lord, <laughs> Um, because I will be raising my kids in the church. <laughs> um, anyhow, so my senior year of high school, I was 17 years old, almost 18. And I was going, I switched from the private Christian school that I was at over to this performing arts magnet school. And what that means is basically it's a public school system that the state funds for artsy kids, honestly. And you have to try out to get in and there's a dance cluster. There's a music theater and then art like drawing, painting. And so I was still not really into music yet. I had just started playing the guitar about a year before that, but I didn't really, I didn't really play publicly. I didn't really want anyone to hear me yet. So I decided to try out for the dance team because it was similar to cheer. So fast forward, I get in, I'm loving the artistic atmosphere. I mean, I came alive, like I, I was this cheerleader girl who, who used to not necessarily make fun of artsy people, but I wanted to be them, but didn't know how. And so God led me to this high school in downtown Dallas. And it completely like opened up the floodgates of all this, you know, creative, artistic songwriter in me, this dancer in me. And it was so powerful. And so meanwhile, as soon as I graduated high school from that school, I still was holding on to this cheerleading dream, you know, sport. And my mom and I went down to, we drove down to Norman, Oklahoma, which is about a two and a half hour drive from Dallas. And I tried out for university cheerleading. So it was like still a pretty big deal for me to do that. And that whole time I, I was, because I grew up in the cheerleading gym and because I was the cheerleading coach's daughter, I had a lot of pride in that area. I just did. I, I thought, oh, I got this. I'm going to make the team. This is my story, like blah, blah, blah. Well, God had other plans because I didn't make the team that weekend and I was devastated. It was my first, it was my first um, come to Jesus moment, I guess, where God was shutting a door that I thought should be open. Um, but it was so, it was so much protection for my story for that to be closed. And so after that, this is, this next part of the story is one of my favorite parts because this is where God just intervenes in your life. And sometimes it, we call it like a random moment or like happens, but it's not like he clearly was in this part. And so I go back from the cheerleading tryout to where we were staying at this bed and breakfast in Norman, Oklahoma. Every time I tell it, I'm like, it's so funny, these little parts. And my mom and I start talking to the lady, the sweet older woman who owns the bed and breakfast. And she, she starts asking me questions like, so where are you going to go to college now that, you know, 
Oklahoma's not working out. And so, so could you only go to Oklahoma if you got on the cheer team? Is that was that the deal? Well, no, but it was one of the reasons I would have gone. Oh, gotcha. It, it was a motivation for being there. Yeah, that was kind of my only motivation to go um, because they had such a good cheer program. But other than that, I had no interest. But I didn't really have another option because I, I had applied to all these universities, all these schools. But when you're when you're 17 and 18, like you're really trying to figure out how to like be an adult. <laughs> you know, or just even like leave the nest of your parents, like the comfort of your home. And so I, there was this school called Belmont University here in Nashville that I had randomly, again, randomly applied to because of a friend of mine. And so I'm telling this lady at the bed and breakfast, like, yeah, there's this other school called Belmont. And she goes, what? She goes, you'll never guess who's staying here at the bed and breakfast this weekend. And we were like, who, you know, and of course I'm thinking like Taylor Swift or like, I don't know, you know, like somebody that I, I thought was cool. And she goes, the nitty gritty dirt band. <laughs> uh, the nitty gritty dirt band. I don't think we've heard them much in the UK. I don't know. Yeah. Are they big? Well, I, I was 17 years old at the time looking at my mom going, who is that? You know, and my mom starts singing, you and me go fishing in the dark. And for anyone that has ever has parents or grandparents that have listened to any country music, they'll know who that is. Okay. Um, But I didn't know who it was. My mom did. And next thing we know, basically to make this section of the story short, shorter is the band members start coming down the stairs and just kind of like counseling my mom and I. Just to say, they they are quite a big band, the Nish Gritty Dirt Band, but and they have they have three million monthly listeners on Spotify. So three million. That's reasonably large, I I would say. Yeah. Okay. And I think they've been around since. I'm not good at at remembering years, but I believe it's like 70s, 60s. I mean, they've been around for a long time. And the lead singer of the band started to talk to me that day on this beautiful Saturday afternoon in Norman, Oklahoma, on the front porch of this bed and breakfast (laughs) where my little 18, 17 year old dreams were being crushed. God was so much bigger in that moment than I could have even imagined. And he was using this band member. His name is Jeff Hanna, the lead singer to kind of speak to me in a fatherly way. So much love, so much kindness. And he basically asked me what I, what the heck I was doing in Oklahoma. (laughs) And he said, do you play music? And I said, for nobody in my bedroom, but yes. And so I played him some songs and he looked at me. And this was one of those first moments that like God used someone to look at me. And he said, Baylor, what are you doing in Norman, Oklahoma? You need to move to Nashville. And I was like, Nashville, really? And so we, we, you know, we kept our friendship going over the following weeks and I went back to Texas and basically that was May of my senior year in high school. And so in in the States, you're supposed to know where you're going to school by then. But I was like, I guess I'm going to Nashville. Like, I don't know what came over me, but I changed my entire plan. Well, God changed it, obviously. But he he sent this man to encourage me to move to Nashville. And that's how I got to town. And then a whole other... (laughs) A whole other thing happened where I went to college and again, I knew about God and I called myself a Christian, but I hadn't had my personal Jesus happen moment yet um, until after university, after college, which was in October of 2017. So wait a second, October 2017, how old are you at that point? I was 20. Three years old. So I'm going to pause you. I'm going to rewind a little bit of time. Oh, by the way, that band, Nitty Gritty, 1966. So they have been around a long time. Close. That's right. A long time. So that is so cool that he spoke the the words over to go to Nashville. And what a what an <laughs> extraordinary thing for someone to say. And clearly, he must know music. So if he heard your voice and and said go to Nashville, he obviously knew you had knew way lots of potential. So that's a real compliment for someone to, to pick you up on that. But the reason I wanted to pause you before you tell us about when you're 23 is I'd like to ask the questions about what happened when you were 20. Uh, so because I because in my little bit of research about you, I, I have actually watched for the first time in my life a program I've been watching on the internet called Survivor. Now I haven't watched the whole thing, but I hadn't seen it before because I, I, I gave up on reality TV shows a long time ago because I thought they got a bit nasty. And I went, you know what? I don't like this because basically the whole plot is make people be nasty to each other. 
and I don't want to watch it. Yeah. So, but you were on Survivor uh, with your with your mum, and and I watched you guys doing various challenges and things, and I thought, man alive, I think that's quite that's quite arduous. Some of the stuff, and as a twenty year old, I think you were the youngest person on it by some measure. Yeah. And I thought it's it's a show which I think tests you and will bring out some of your best bits, but also be very easy for all your bad bits to come out because you just are being put under immense stress stress and pressure at various times as well. What would you say um, were the takeaways for you from doing Survivor and how does it impact your relationship with your mum? Because you were against each other in, in opposing teams as well. I know, I know. So when I moved to Nashville, I, you know, I was this 18 year old who just got her whole life changed over to this lane of life, which is totally focused on music which I was open to, but I just didn't know that was in the cards or the plan. And so I moved to Nashville and start going to Belmont University full-time. I was a full-time student in class every day, but I also started full-time pursuing music. And so I was playing writer's rounds and, you know, traveling whenever I could to open up for people. And the goal of my entire college career was to get a songwriting publishing deal. That was kind of my next dream. And my next goal. And so in the middle of college, I went and did, I actually did The Voice, which is another reality TV show, um, just really quick in my life. It was, it was very quick. I, didn't, I don't even think I got TV time. But after The Voice, I came back to Nashville. And this would have been, I was 20 years old. So I guess 2014 at this time. And my mom gets a phone call from an old cheerleading coach, which is where the whole story just comes full circle over and over again. But he called and he had gotten a new job as the casting director of Survivor. And he used to work for my mom at the, at the gym. And so he calls and he's like, Missy, my mom's name is Missy. He goes, Missy, what are you and Baylor up to this summer? We need a mother and a daughter for our next season of Survivor. And my mom's like, Survivor? Like the island show where you starve and eat weird food? And he was like, yep, that's the one. And so she calls me and after being on a music show, I was kind of like looking for something different, just was kind of like, sure, that sounds really adventurous. And my mom and I are really competitive and, and we're really, we're a really good team because we know each other so well. So then we go out to Nicaragua and basically what I thought was going to be like reality TV where like they help you, they, you know, kind of coach you. It was not that it was actually one of the hardest things I've ever done, but also one of the most rewarding, like you said, what did I learn? Something that I learned was honestly how to be thankful, legitimately thankful for the smallest of things when we're here in our comfortable, you know, houses, like a pillow and a toothbrush and a chair. Like, I just remember getting out there and realizing that, oh, they're not going to help me. Like I'm going to actually have to survive. And so after the show, I lost 21 pounds. I had um, a parasite. I hope that's okay if I say that. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm okay now, praise the Lord. But when you go over to different countries, sometimes the water can make you sick, and it did. And I, I, had, so, um, I had so many questions after the show, you know, just about life and about relationships. And But my mom and I, for whatever reason... I don't know. I think I'll find out in heaven with the Lord one day, but we did really well on that show. Well, I've got to say more entertaining than I'd expected. Uh, and I, I was impressed because some of the people who went on there had spent a lot of time learning survival skills beforehand. And they're like, yeah, I know how to do everything. Uh, and they were, they, would, they were quite sure it was, that it was all going to work out for them. You, what position did you finish in in the end? I was fifth and my mom was third place. So and that's pretty cool actually pretty so cool. that, that's that says something about you that you're good at relationships um because very relational sort of thing where people get voted out and people we'd say stitch people up or knife them in the back and things like that so anyway um so you, you did survive with your mum you and your mum very very close uh did you find off the back of that you got closer was it the thing that you actually went this is actually a really good thing for us to have done when you finished it I think that we had to be close because she was the only one that I, obviously she was my blood, my mom, but also like when you're out there, I mean, 
you, you're just trying to like, make sure that you don't get stabbed in the back, you know? And so my mom, what, what the TV show wanted us to do is to vote each other out. And we did the opposite. And so I think because we didn't vote each other out after the game, we were closer. You know, I think there was a, a moment about a year after the show where we both needed to process kind of all these things that happened, you know, because it's, even though it's only a 40 day journey on this show, a lot of traumatic things can happen. All those little things that don't matter at all to me now, but are so hurtful when you're like, so, um, desensitized and just like broken down. So after that, my mom and I had a lot of processing with each other and there was some beautiful hard things that came to the surface after the show that was like really good for us to talk about, you know? And then now I think we're like closer than we ever have been just because I've matured a lot (laughs) and I can see like her perspective and, you know, why she chose the things she chose on the show and in life. So yes, the answer would be yes, we got closer, but also in that closeness came some difficult realities of our life that we had to, we had to hit on the head. Probably beneficial long-term though, for those things to have come to the surface. So uh, 1000%, sometimes we don't want it to rise to the surface, but that's how we get refined. So even though like you've got all these feelings, you know, bubbling up, sometimes we're like, no, 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 but but sometimes God wants to reveal that. And obviously in a healthy way, I'm not saying I like spewed out all this anger. I just was very honest. And so was she. And we got to, I, I mean, she got to, for, I asked for forgiveness for different things and vice versa, just super healthy conversations. Wow. That's, that's a beautiful mom daughter relationship. Yeah. So um, you were going to say 23, so you got to 23. So this is three years after survivor. Yes. Some, something happened. Um, fill in, fill in, the, what was it that happened? Where did you go in your life at that point? Well, oh, I just love this part of the story because every time I talk about it, it's like, thank you, Lord. So after Survivor, I came back to school. I finished out my college career. I graduated and I got my publishing deal. I got what I told you guys earlier was the goal was to get a songwriting publishing deal. And I got one with um, Brad Paisley's company. I don't know if anyone knows who that is, but He's a pretty big deal over here in the States. And I signed with his company and about a year and a half into a three-year contract, I was sitting at a coffee shop here in Nashville and a girlfriend of mine, uh, her name is Louisa. She's also in music. She came over to me and we ran into each other and um, she was like, Baylor, oh my gosh, what are you up to? And we did this whole Nashville exchange. And what I mean by that is, is very like, what are you up to? What are you up to? What are you, you know, what's new in music? That kind of thing. I'm sure people do that in the UK too. We, we, we certainly do, except for we normally say, how are you? And the response has to be, I'm fine. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you understand what I'm talking about. So she starts asking me, that's, that's exactly what she asked me is, how are you? And I don't know if for whatever reason, I was just feeling really vulnerable or open that day, but I said, I'm okay. You know, kind of like, eh, hmm, I don't know. And she was discerning that I wasn't okay at all. And so she took it upon herself to invite me to a worship night that she had been attending for over a year at that point, which was happening that the following Friday. And so she invites me to this worship night and she texts me the address and a few days go by and I show up to what she invited me to. Are, are you at this point sort of going to church each Sunday? Has your cultural Christianity, is that still sort of carrying on in your life or? I think, I think it was going the opposite direction. Like, I think that at that point in my life, I, again, I, I think if someone would have asked me, are you a Christian? I would have said yes, but I would, I had zero peace, zero joy. I was like spiritually, emotionally, just dying, like empty on the inside. And, and it was probably because of a few different outward things, a a very unhealthy relationship I was in combined with, um, some different childhood things that I needed to work through that I didn't know how, um, and just sin. I was like, I was living in sin and didn't know it was sin. So, because no one really told me, I just had no idea that the Bible literally says the wages of sin is death. I had no idea that that's why I felt like death. <laughs> that makes some sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even though I knew John three sixteen by heart, I didn't know the gravity of 
the personalness of Jesus actually dying for Baylor. Now, now for our listeners who maybe some of them don't know what John 3.16 in the Bible says, what, what does it say, Baylor? Yes, it says, for God so loved the world, the whole world, including you, whoever's listening, that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That is exciting good news. I, <laughs> I like that. And once that's the good news. you can know it, um in your head but when you know it in your heart that's making the difference so let's see so you're 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 you would say you you were not living a christian life and you were not having relationship with god in any meaningful way by the sounds of things you're dying inside that's your words I was. and your friend invites you to this was it friday night worship thing yes and you think i will i will go along yes Ca carry on don't let me interrupt again I, this sounds like a great story no i love i like when you interrupt it's fine but i, I want to say one more thing i feel to say that when i was spiritually emotionally dying honestly the one of the reasons was i was on this all-out search to like understand myself which is not it sounds like that's not a bad thing but because i was trying to find identity in myself like and not in Christ. And I can explain that more later, but it was just a, a, an empty pursuit, you know, in Ecclesiastes, which is one of the books of the Bible, Solomon says, vanity, all is vanity. And, and, and you have to read the whole book to understand Solomon, you know, he can get, it can sound like he's a little depressed, which I think he probably was, but, but God turned around his whole perspective and made him realize that he can enjoy life, but that this is not the whole picture. Like, Jesus was sent so that we could go live with him one day in heaven, you know? And so I think I was, I was realizing, okay, I think this is an empty pursuit trying to figure out Baylor. I really need something else. And so when I showed up to that worship night, that Friday, the funniest part is it wasn't at a church. It was actually at an auto body car shop. That's not normal. That is weird. It was very cool because I think the Lord, it kind of felt like a God wink from heaven, kind of like I can use a car shop to bring people to me. Like I can, I don't necessarily, he loves the church and, and we are the church, you know, as his believers. But so, I, so when I walked into this car shop, I began to question, like, I was like, what denomination is that? I don't know. I'm not sure. You know, I had some, some hesitancy there, which I think is okay. But as soon as I walked into this worship night, the atmosphere that these people had set was true, authentic worship to actual God. And because of that, the presence of God, the tangible presence of God. And what I mean by that is, is just his Holy Spirit rocked my world. I mean, I, I started weeping and had no idea why I was crying. I mean, I was on my knees praying and asking for forgiveness within the first 15 minutes and there's a verse in the Bible that says the Lord's kindness leads us to repentance. And that was legitimate before I even knew that verse. You guys, I didn't even know the Bible. Like, like I said, I had just memorized one verse, the one I quoted earlier. But other than that, I didn't know anything else. But God's supernatural Holy Spirit was literally delivering me and setting me free and like causing salvation to happen for me. I was being born again in that moment. And it was so cool because after the worship, they preached the gospel. But at this point I had ears to hear the gospel for the first time. Like my, like the sin of the world that had so entangled me and blinded me from hearing and seeing was gone. And so I was like, I was set on fire for Jesus that night. And it wasn't just like a little bitty flame. It was like a full blown fire. And it was amazing. It was amazing. And that, and then after, to answer your question, I went back to my friend groups and my co-writing and my lifestyle, but I was a different girl. And people would say, Baylor, what happened to you? What happened to you? You look different. You're, you're, you're not, you're not cussing. You're not interested in that. You're, you're, you're not drinking heavily. You, you know, you don't want anything to do with that. You just want to read your Bible. Who are you? And I would say, you guys, I don't really know but Jesus happened. <laughs> that is a wonderful story of an amazing encounter with God that transformed you. And I've got to say, you, and you mentioned about dying inside. I've, I've got the advantage of being able to see you on screen. 
you are beaming with a huge smile just absolutely the joy i can see in your heart is just fantastic so i'm i'm really grateful for the way you've shared about all those different things um we are going to be very fortunate i believe here on hope fm to i think be a worldwide track exclusive um for the next track which is called jesus wrote me a letter it would be great if you could tell us uh, about the track and then we'll play it yes oh my goodness i'm so excited because i haven't gotten to talk about any other music yet and so you guys are the first to hear all of these stories so i pray that you feel special because you are uh, thank you <laughs> no really though this is so exciting because it's really fun to talk about one song but then getting to talk about these other ones that have been you know a culmination um they've just been lived out you know what i mean and now i finally get to talk about it so jesus wrote me a letter is actually a song that came from a dream that i had i had walked through a little bit of a um let's see how do i put it i i I was going in the wrong direction with a relationship and the Lord was reve was revealing it to me and was telling me that I could trust him if I would just chill out and let him pick the person that I was supposed to be married to actually let him pick. So I woke up from this dream and the Lord is so personable and personal because in the dream, Jesus himself was writing me a letter and in the letter, I saw him handwriting and it said, Dearly beloved, and I'm telling you all the full story because I want you to know where this song was birthed. He said, he said, dearly beloved, you've successfully waited long enough. Your husband will show up in three months, but if you take your eyes off me, I'll shut it all down again. Love your first love. Whoa. <laughs> okay. That is, I'm going to, I'm going to say, say it is, that's a bonkers dream, <laughs> but I think it's bonkers good because you know, not many people have that sort of dream. And if you get that sort of dream, you do have to be a little bit careful because you could do all sorts of things off the back of it. But if God's in it, then actually that's something to to, to follow and just keep submitting it back to him. So so what did you do? What happened? The, what, what was your next step? That's what I'd like to know. So my next step was I told my pastors about it because I was like, um, this feels, am I going crazy or was this real? Or, you know, because when you wake up from a dream, you're like, was that real? Like, Oh my gosh, that was very specific and very vivid. Almost felt, almost felt real, you know, which it was in the spirit, but I just, I took it to my pastors and I'll never forget my pastor's wife looking at me and saying, you never have to worry again who you're going to marry because God's written it. Beautiful. <laughs> and so after that, um, you know, fast forward, I, I remember taking the, the title, Jesus wrote me a letter and writing it down in my phone on a notes on a note on my phone and trusting that the Lord would reveal who I should write that song with, or if I should write it alone, or what does that look like? And so a few months later, I took it to my co-writers actually who write country music, but they are Christians. It was so cool. And that day, which is so funny, because I, I wouldn't have expected the Lord to tell me to write it with them, but he did. He was like, it's now. I remember that morning. He said, it's now. You're going to write that now. And the coolest part of this part of the story is that morning was the morning I got offered my record deal at a breakfast in Nashville with my now record label, Fairtrade. And then right after the, they offered me the deal, because I remember leaving the breakfast and saying, thank you so much. I'm going to pray about it, you know, all this stuff. And then I went to my co-writing session at 11 a.m. in Nashville, and I felt the Lord saying, now's the time to write, Jesus wrote me a letter. And I was like, Yes, Lord. And so I told my co-writers, um, Dan Wilson and Cassidy Lynn, um, about this dream and they both started crying. And I was like, well, I think we're on the right track. I think this is it. And so we, we ended up just taking, um, just the idea that Jesus, you know, the bigger theme that Jesus wrote us a letter, a full letter, which is the Bible. Um, and, and in my dream, it was very specific. You know, he wrote, he wrote a specific one, but the bigger picture is that he wrote every single believer, this letter of scripture, a love letter, you know? And so this song is so important to me, um, because the chorus just talks about kind of the bigger themes of the Bible and which, which he says, I am the way I am the truth. You know, I am the light that's shining through all, all of those themes, because it's true. He is the way that leads to eternal life. 
And so, yeah, Jesus wrote me a letter it came from a dream and then it turned into a song and we rewrote it a few times because we wanted to be so sure that it was what God wanted us to say in, in a song. So yeah, the first verse says, Jesus wrote me a letter I read tonight, uh, stood out in red letters from the black and white. So um, one of my, those are two of my favorite lines that we've ever written. I'm so thankful for the song. He said, I am the Baylor, thank you so much, but you've really shared from your heart. We've really appreciated it. Uh, it's been exciting to hear about your encounter with Jesus and what a beautiful uh, story of him showing your letter and the way that's come to be that beautiful song. It would be lovely uh, if you're happy to pray right now for our listeners. Yes, yes. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this interview and just the opportunity to um, speak life and truth over all the listeners, anybody that's listening right now, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would comfort them and would reawaken their hearts, um, maybe for the first time or maybe for the hundredth time. But I just pray, God, that you would just come in and and just bring your word to life. And, and I pray that, um, that you would soften their hearts um, to the gospel. Again, whether it's the first time or the hundredth time, I think that the gospel has the power to um, just the gospel alone has the power to completely set people free and on fire for you, Lord. So I just pray um, something that the Lord was speaking to me this morning, uh, which is that he loves me. And that sounds so simple, but a lot of people grew up with maybe parents that didn't know how to show love um, in a healthy way. And so I just pray that not only would the people that are listening forgive their parents, but that they would be open to receiving God's love <laughs> because it's the most amazing, um, never ending type of love, the most overwhelming. That's, that's just so life-changing. And so I pray God's love over the people that are listening. And, and I just pray eyes to see and ears to hear what the spirit is saying to them and no other spirits. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you so much, Baylor. And if you are listening at home and you're maybe you're thinking, well, I'm quite interested in who this Jesus might be, please do get in contact with us by emailing studio at hopefm.com or you can go online to www.findachurch.co.uk and there are thousands of churches across the UK that would love to welcome you and help you to find out more about God's amazing love. So, Baylor, we're on the edge of our seats, I think, to find out. You had a dream. It said in three months' time, you would you would find your husband. Yeah, I would. Okay, that's a, that's a big deal, especially for somebody who is obviously, I'm going to guess, thinking, I'd quite like that to happen. Um, yes. What happened? So, oh, it is, it's so fun. So <laughs> I'm remembering the moment where... I, three months after the dream, I mean, I was counting down to the day, every girl out there and, and guy, every romantic would be counting down, you know, to the moment. And I did, I, I remember on that three month mark, I was in Atlanta, Georgia at a Maverick city music writing camp. And it was like a worship night thing. And I remember looking around and thinking, okay, God, where's my husband? Is he just going to walk up to me? Is he going to come down from the rafters? Like, what are you going to do? You know? And I heard the Holy Spirit's voice. I heard the small, still whisper say, do you trust me or not? Wow. <gasps> ah! And I was like, oh, forgive me because the Lord was teaching me again, how to trust him with this specific area. And God is so kind to, um, you know, to not only like give me a dream, but also to teach me in that moment, Baylor, you tried to take it back into your hands again. So do you trust me or not? You know, he was looking for my trust and my faith. And so what's so funny about the story is actually on that day, I had started messaging my now husband on Instagram, but I had no idea he was going to be my husband. We went to college. We went to university together in Nashville. We actually met when we were both 18. Oh, that's nice. But 
but we, I know, but we were just friends for all those years, all the way up to that moment where the Lord said, do you trust me? And so I, you know, I said, yes, Lord, I'm so sorry. And so after that, I was like, well, I don't know he didn't show up. I don't know. Meanwhile, he actually had been messaging me on Instagram. It was just, it didn't look the way I thought it would shocker. (laughs) And so three months after that is when my now husband, James and I, we actually decided to go on a boat together because he, um, it was last summer, last June, and he was on a boat and I responded to his Instagram and said, whose boat is this? And he was like wakeboarding and wake surfing. And I grew up doing that. And I was like, that looks so fun. I want to go. So I basically invited myself onto his boat, which is hilarious. Meanwhile, God, the biggest romantic and, you know, he created, he is love. He was writing this entire love story for me. That is very romantic and amazing. And I'll never forget walking up to James's house to meet up with him, to go on this boat. And again, this was just my, my buddy from college, like just a friend. But right when I walked up to his house, I was like, wait, what? You look so different. You look very handsome. Who are you? And then I remember realizing, oh, this is him. Like, this is it. This is who God was preparing for me. If I would have just chilled out, you know, and I, and I finally, like, I finally had the revelation of like, oh, this is my husband. Like, this is my friend, James, who you've been like sanctifying and pruning and preparing for me and vice versa for all these years. So, so just to clarify, so James has already had his Jesus half a moment oh, yeah, himself exactly. some time before. Yeah, so. so he actually grew up in the church. And so he, he was totally on fire for the Lord at that point when we, when we reconnected that day. And, and, and I like the way that uh, you go, he looked entirely different. Yeah. So, so I, I imagine he looked entirely the same, but, but God had just changed your, <laughs> your perspective on things. He did. He looked a little bit, you know, more grown up and all my friends joke with me and they're like, are you telling me that he was like, you know, all muscly and manly now or something? And I was like, well, kind of, I mean, yes, he, he looked like he had grown up and really come into himself, you know? And, and I also think I was seeing Jesus in and through him, you know, I was seeing, um, just the fruits of the spirit all around him. And and even as he talked, I was like, oh, Okay. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's lovely. I like I like that story. So so you you so you had that moment when he basically walked up to his house. Did he have that moment at the same time? The same time. He says he says that he knew when we started messaging that something was going on. And then when we both saw each other, it really was kind of like I don't know if you know who Nicholas Sparks is. Do you know who that is? Nobody in the UK has ever heard of anyone called Nicholas Sparks. <laughs> Nicholas Sparks is an author who writes love stories, love story books. And everybody, you know, in, in my high schools and college, we would all read Nicholas Sparks. So, do you know, probably, I'm just, I'm just, just checking in my earpiece. No, actually, I can hear lots of listeners shouting back, Gordon, you know nothing. We all know Nicholas Sparks. <laughs> they, they probably do know him, uh, but I, I don't. So It's okay. Well, if you don't, it's okay. But the way that I explain to people how James and I's love story is, is I, I literally say it was like, a sanctified Nicholas Sparks movie moment. So it was like, we looked at each other, there was butterflies, balloons all around, like in our hearts, you know, just like, (gasps) but like, it was all surrounded by Jesus. Like Jesus was so at the center of both of our lives in that moment. And obviously we wouldn't have been ready for each other until that specific moment. So that's what makes the story so beautiful is not only did Jesus write me the letter, but he fulfilled his promise at the exact moment that he was going to fulfill it. It's just so beautiful. So absolutely great. I love it. I love it. And, and, but he was also teaching you on the way to trust him and to be patient and not to try and do it under your own steam where you would have ended up making wrong decisions and being in painful situations again and all that sort of stuff that you really is better to avoid if you can, but God has got a great plan on these things. Wow. I like it. Sorry. When did you get married exactly? So after that day, we pretty much started dating immediately. Well, courting, he, he was really serious about his intentions. We dated for six months and then we were engaged for six weeks. And then we got married in December on December 5th, 
2020. Yay! Congratulations on behalf of the whole of the UK. That's great news. We're really pleased. <laughs> Talking to some of the best names in contemporary Christian music. This is the Hope FM artist interview. So I, you've got married. God's given you that sort of um, supernatural moment, not just on becoming a Christian, but also on the things that are going, going on in your life. Are there other things where you go, God's given me maybe another dream that's been something that's made a big change? Yeah, yeah. I think about six months ago, I had another dream where the Lord, it's so funny. It's a theme. I'm not exactly sure, but he wrote another letter to me, but it was this time it was, I was writing the letter, but God was giving me the strength to write it. And it was um, a letter of forgiveness to my dad. It was me forgiving my dad. Um, And it was God giving me the strength to do that. And Um, Without going into too much detail, basically my parents got divorced when I was really, really young and it caused um, kind of a foundation of uh, confusion with that, with the relationship with my dad. Um, And so, you know, I grew up going back and forth from Texas to Colorado where my dad lives to visit him. And, you know, into my high school and college years, I started to really become aware of the unhealthiness of like, I think I need to deal with some stuff in this, in this topic of my life, you know, uh, in this relationship. And so I did, and I got a lot of prayer around it. Um, a lot of friends of mine and pastors came alongside me and we prayed through it and, um, some counseling here and there, but the Lord was the one who, um, through a dream, another dream was giving me the strength to fully forgive my father for just different things that were painful growing up. Um, and so, yeah, after that, um, I, I don't have a close relationship with him yet still to this day, but I do believe in faith that we will eventually. Um, so yeah, I don't know if he knows Jesus, so I'm praying for him to hear Jesus happen. <laughs> you know, I, I can't imagine he won't have already listened to it and been very proud of you yeah. because it's a beautiful piece of music, but I, how did it impact your relationship with God as well? Because sometimes people where they've got a pain, especially in a relationship with a, with a father, they struggle to be able to connect to God the Father because they have a picture of God the Father that comes sometimes off the back of that. W- was there any impact and things for you in that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, even today I posted an Instagram picture. Um, I, <laughs> I was at my church's coffee shop recently and my pastor's wife, Cheyenne, she's kind of like a spiritual mama. Um, she's the one who's been discipling me since my Jesus happened moment. Um, and she saw me that day and the Lord, the father, God literally told her to ask me to, if I, if she could love on me in that moment, it was like, it was very, um, uh, how do I explain it? It felt like unknown territory to feel that loved in that moment but God was using her to heal more of that father wound, I think. And, and so after that letter that I sent, I actually, I had the dream and then I, it was like an obedience thing. So I, I actually physically wrote my dad the letter. And then weeks later I'm at the coffee shop and Cheyenne is like, Hey, come here. And, you know, I sat on her lap and she loved on me as if a father would be loving on me. And what I mean by that is, is she asked me to come sit on her lap and let her hug me and, you know, love on me in the sense of letting God use her to love me in that moment. Um, just, just a big, huge hug is what she was doing, just wrapping me up. And as soon as she did, I started weeping and because God's love is powerful, you know, and the father's love specifically is very powerful considering for God so loved the world and loved Baylor that he sent his son for me, little old me. And so in that moment, I think I was experiencing um, a, more of an openness to receive the father's love more than I have in the last couple of years, uh, because it's one thing to meet Jesus as your friend, as your savior, you know, that kind of thing. And then meet Holy spirit as your comforter, which the Bible talks about and your counselor and all those things. But then to meet, Father God in a way where he wants to love on you in a very personal, deep way. And for me personally, I just didn't, I didn't have that story. That wasn't a normal thing. Um, And so it was so amazing to actually soften my heart, you know, to receive it, to receive the father's love. Because the truth is the experiences we go through in life 
cause us to protect ourselves a bit and one of the ways we do that is by hardening ourselves we don't we don't mean to do it but we just you know there's pain sometimes and as a result we we block stuff off and i'm guessing from what you're saying there it just was just a beautiful moment where just the hardness of your heart where it'd been hurt was just being healed yeah it was being totally healed i mean cheyenne even said to me that day she said god loves your love baylor she was like Father God wants your love just as much as he wants to love on you. He wants your love because I've always been very um, empathetic and and full of love, wanting to give love, you know, to people and, and mostly to a father figure. And so, and so in that moment, he was, she was, he was using her to tell me, I want your love. I miss you. I love your love. And I want to give you mine, you know, in response. So it was a really powerful moment for me because like you said, I think I had, I didn't know that I had all these walls up toward receiving complete, completely receiving the fullness of the father's love, because I think it comes in layers. You know what I mean? As we are sanctified and softened more. And as we read the Bible more and get to know God and pray in our closets and, and talk to him in our cars and all these things, I think that um, we start to realize it's all about love. This whole thing is all about love. You know what I mean? Yeah, it really is. It really is. And and one of the things, so I've been a Christian quite a number of years now, in fact, many more years, in fact, than you've been alive. So, <laughs> um, but I've been a Christian for a while now. And the one of the things that I keep on re-realizing is that there is always more. And I'm just, always God's love goes so deep. And when I think, oh, I'm in a really good place, which is which is good, I want to be in a good place. I have to go, hold a minute, uh, don't plateau, don't plateau, keep keep on pressing into God because he's yeah. always got more and reveal more. And I, 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 I hope that I'm a maturing Christian, but I'm still probably a baby Christian compared to with the fullness of what God will have to me. And there's so much more of him to reveal. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to becoming an old man because as I do, I'm yeah. going to make sure I'm still following Jesus and knowing more of his goodness. So yeah. I think that's quite exciting actually. So, um, okay. Thank you for sharing about that. That is clearly a, it's a very personal thing, but also I wonder if it's things that other people might go, yeah, you know, what? I think there's this stuff in my heart. There's just a, a hurt or a pain that I'm carrying. Um, and I just want to encourage people to do maybe what you did, where you talk to some people about it and let God just come and bless you. I encourage people to go and find a Christian that they trust and say, look, I'd just like to maybe just help ask you to help me lift these things to, to God and for God to help me work through them. Because working yeah. through issues and giving them to God, he loves to help to unravel things and yes. bring his purposes and his goodness out of it. So, and, and to meditate on the scriptures about love. Like what I do is, it was told by my pastors is I Google literally, because I don't know where all the scriptures are. I Google scriptures on God's love. And then I just read them all and I think about them and I recite them out loud to myself. And that is renewing my mind. You know what I mean? That, that will rewire my brain and will re it'll just reteach me how to receive a father's love, you know, and maybe it's your mom that, that hurt you or, or, or just somebody, it doesn't matter. The Lord wants to, to love you. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Talking to some of the best names in contemporary Christian music. This is the Hope FM artist interview. You're on a journey though, cause you've got this, you've got this contract with fair trade. Yes. Okay. So, so you've released the song Jesus happened and you've got these other tracks coming out. So your EP um, is coming out. When's the EP coming out? August 13th. Okay. So, we're recording this just a little bit before deliberately so that we can be the first to play the play, play <laughs> these tracks. So what's the EP called? Jesus Happened. It's a great name for an EP. And uh, <laughs> I've got to say, a good choice. Well, I paused. I paused because I'm like, I think it's called Jesus Happened. These are conversations that we're having over this next week. It could change, but it's probably called Jesus Happened. Probably is called Jesus Happened, I would hope. Okay, that, that sounds good to me. Okay. And uh, so you're busy finalizing uh, this stuff at the moment right now. Uh, how many how many tracks are on the EP? There's four tracks on the EP. Okay, so so we're going to have a featured three of the four tracks, um, that, which is quite exciting. I'm wondering if not we should feature a bit of the fourth one at some point as well. But I don't I don't even know the name of the fourth one. It's a mystery at the moment. So do do you want to tell us the name of the fourth track, Baylor? The fourth track is called All the Way Home. All the way home. Just to say, folks, you heard it here first. All the way home. Great. Okay. <laughs> now. I not only have I been listening to your music, but I have also 
been listening to your podcast and actually i really enjoyed listening to podcasts i don't think it's aimed at men in my age group i i i I would say probably i'm not your target audience but i did think you know what i really want to share this with my daughter because i think she might really enjoy it um and i'm sure well, my daughter's a teenager. I'm sure people older as well who, who would enjoy it very much more because you often are on there with various guests and I've listened to an episode where you've got some of your, your friends on there chatting about all sorts of stuff. Uh, and I just thought, you know what? When you're talking, you speak with authenticity. You don't you don't make everything all easy peasy. It's, um, it's obviously from your heart. Tell me a little bit about the objectives behind the podcast, what it's called. It's going to be a surprising name. Yeah, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure if anyone will guess it, but um, but it's, uh, and where people can find it and, and what your aim is over the next sort of weeks and months with your podcast, where, where are you going to take it? Yeah, so when the podcast was born, I was not trying to start a podcast. Honestly, when I first was supposed to go out on radio tour, we got snowed in here in Nashville. And so it was postponed an extra week or two. And I'll never forget, I was sitting at my my in-laws farm here right outside of Nashville, um, on this beautiful farm. It had just snowed. I was overlooking the, the land, the horses, all this stuff. And I was feeling very inspired to write something. I didn't feel like it was a song. And all of a sudden, I, I think it was the Holy Spirit. It had to be. I heard podcasts in my head and I'm like, what? And of course, my 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 human reaction was, I don't have time for a podcast, Lord. Like, really? I just started this music, you know, and for whatever reason, I couldn't get out, could could not get it out of my head. And so I went upstairs and recorded my first episode. And first I wrote it out a little bit for some preparation. And then I recorded my first episode, which was just my testimony. And after that, obviously I heard the title of the podcast, the name of it was The Jesus Happened Podcast. It's a very memorable title. I like Thank it. Thank you. Thank you. And after that, I was asking the Lord, like, what is this going to be? What's the theme? And I just felt like in my heart, in my spirit, that it was interviewing people about their Jesus Happened stories, you know, whether that was, you know, a radical salvation story like mine or just another level of something he revealed to them, you know. And so each episode is different, all different types of people, all different backgrounds. Um, I did one episode with my husband where he talks about his Jesus Happens story. I did an episode with Micah Tyler, who's another artist. And then I did a bunch of episodes with just my friends that go to church with me who have pretty radical testimonies. A lot of them grew up in church um, and some didn't. And so, yeah, it is definitely, you know, the target audience, I just... I'm always like open to whoever wants to hear it, but I, I could see how you would send it to your, to your daughter, show your daughter, because I do think that it's nice to have some like older sister figures talking about, talking about things that we've walked through that maybe your daughter can, um, steer away from <laughs> that was exactly what i was thinking I, there were things like oh you know what you've got some wisdom to bring and uh and but you bring it in a really approachable and enjoyable to listen to way we definitely keep it real we keep it real on the podcast um all the while honoring the lord in everything we say you know we don't like glorify the, the struggles or the issues or the darkness we've come from but we do talk about it so that you can see how amazing God is. That's the point. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a very good way to describe it. So uh, where do people find your podcast? You can find it on the Apple Podcast app, on Spotify, and then it's not on YouTube quite yet, but you can find it. um, I think there's a link on my Instagram in, in the little bio, if you click that link, there's a there's a button you can click on that says podcast and you can click that. And, and on Instagram, you just Baylor Wilson? Yes, on Instagram, I'm just at Baylor Wilson. Easy peasy. Great. Okay. That is fantastic. Uh, website, where do people go for your website? www.baylorwilson.com. Also very easy. That's great. Okay. <laughs> so so, and it, is Insta your main sort of platform that people would connect on to you with? That- yeah, I think I'm mostly on Instagram and my Facebook page, but definitely more so Instagram these days. But I do, I do connect on Facebook too, if that's all you have. Okay, there you go. So you've got various options, listeners. And uh, I've got to say, 
well worth having a look at some of the posts, definitely worthwhile checking in to that podcast. And uh, you might well find that you listen to it and go, oh, you know what, I could share this episode with this or that person because yeah. there's a variety of topics being covered. So, and you mentioned Micah Tyler, we've had him on the show before. Uh, so how comes you know Micah Tyler? And you're, you're in Nashville, I suppose everybody knows just about everybody, but but uh, how come he came on your podcast? He is just, um, oh my gosh, when I met Micah Tyler, I, I had the opportunity to meet him because we're both signed to the same label. So I didn't know him at all before that. And then I started listening to his songs and I started watching some interviews. And then I met him in person. I was like, oh my gosh, I love Micah Tyler. I love his heart for the Lord and I love his story. And so I, I just reached out on my own. I was like, I think I Instagram messaged him or something. I was like, Micah, would you be willing? And he said yes immediately. And so he, that's how he got on. His episode is awesome. It, it, this might give away the date that we recorded this, but we, we were talking about Micah on the Drive show today because we did a new music update, which he featured in. Uh, and, and Dan and I were talking about how lovely he was. What a really nice down-to-earth uh, guy. We really enjoyed it when he yeah. came on the show. So it's, he's a great person for you to get to know and a, and a, and a wonderful yeah. person to have on your podcast as well. What, what a lovely bloke. Talking to some of the best names in contemporary Christian music. This is the Hope FM Artist Interview. So you're busy doing music uh, and sometimes I speak to artists and I say, where, where have you been? They, have, they go, oh, I've been to nearly every state, but they've never ever left the US. Uh, has your music actually brought you over to our shores yet? Yes, actually, right after I graduated college, I went on a two week trip to Europe. Uh, the first week took me to a songwriting retreat intensive where I was doing music the whole time, writing songs with people from the UK and Europe and actually like all over the country over there and here in the States. There was people from all over. And, and then after that week ended, I decided to extend my trip and traveled to Paris and to London for a few days and then up to Scotland and then back to London. And I'll never forget trying to do my best London UK accent and all of them making fun of me. <laughs> I think that's a really good challenge for you to have set yourself oh right now on the gosh. show. Uh, we'd love to hear your best uh, London accent. Well, as you put me on the spot, I'm an... <laughs> Here we go. Okay. So it comes out a bit cockney. Like it's like really intense. It's like, hello there, everybody. Like, obviously she's not from there, but she's trying to be like, it's just. A she's trying to be a little bit. Well, it's Australian gone wrong. Is it I don't Australian? Really know. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. You're, you definitely, you've got a bit of your apples and pears um, going on. So um, dog and bone for your phone. I, yeah, it is a bit cockney actually. It wasn't too bad. Not bad. I need to practice. I need to practice. Yeah. With a, with a little bit of work, you could probably get, an extra probably in a film so it might not be a talking part if i'm honest but um <laughs> yeah, maybe not my one my one friend from the uk here in nashville has told me that when i when i do it for longer than like you know two or three minutes it starts to sound better oh, okay well we've got time we, we can make this no we haven't um, <laughs> so who, who is your uk friend in nashville she's actually my photographer her name is hannah burton she recently got married and I'm forgetting her new married name, but her her photographer name is Hannah Burton. And I wish I knew exactly where she was from in London, but she loves the UK. She actually, everybody pray for her because she needs her green card. <laughs> oh, to be able to yeah. stay. Yeah, okay, and do some work. To be able to yeah. stay. And so um, anyhow, she's amazing. She took the picture of the Jesus Happened cover and the picture of my of the cover that's going to be Joy Comes in the Morning. Um, she's amazing. Look her up. She, oh, she's so fantastic. She's, she loves Jesus. She loves the Lord. She loves the Holy spirit and she includes God in her creative process. So it's really awesome. That is awesome. I like her already. So, okay. Uh, we have got one more track to, yeah. to play from you and it's called joy comes in the morning. Uh, and again, I think this might be, might just be a, a worldwide first. So, um, <laughs> tell me about joy comes in the morning. Well, Joy Comes in the Morning um, came across my email through my producer named Jeff Pardo. He sent me the track. I didn't write this track. He sent me this song. I've actually never recorded a song that I haven't written, um, not for any other reason other than I just never, I've never had the opportunity. Um, but this song came through my email one day and Jeff Pardo said, hey, Baylor, I don't know if you're looking for songs, but I feel like you would love this one. And right now there's a male singer on the demo, but if you could just picture yourself singing it, 
let me know. And so I listened to the song. And as soon as I heard it, I was like, this is my song. I don't know why. I mean, I do know why, because Jesus, but also the, the theme of joy coming in the morning and just joy in general is so important to me because I do feel like as Christians, if you're not experiencing some joy, then there's something wrong. Like Jesus wants us to be joyful people, you know? Um, and not all the time. He, he said, obviously he said that in this life, there'll be troubles, but take heart. He's overcome the world. So to me, when I heard this song, not only did it make me want to just dance in my seat, you know, raise my hands up, but also it provided, um, just a level of, of hope to people that maybe, and especially coming out of the year 2020, I think like that specific scripture that says, you know, weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning is so important to people right now. You know, like I, I think whether it's 2020 or just a life circumstance, sometimes we go to bed crying just literally because of something happening in our lives, but the hope of our salvation is in Jesus. And I think that's what this song is. It, it just, you can't help, but smile when you hear joy comes in the morning, the song and the verse. (laughs) Baylor, you have been a delight to chat with. It's been an honor having you on the show. And I'm absolutely certain we're going to have you back on the show in the future to find out more about your journey and the many Jesus happens moments that you have across time. So this is your track. Joy comes in the morning. God bless you. And that was Joy Comes in the Morning by the absolutely wonderful Baylor Wilson. Thank you so much, Baylor, for joining us for this episode of The Artist Interview, a podcast by Hope FM. And I hope you, dear listener, have also enjoyed it. There are many more episodes and artists to investigate. Whichever podcast platform you're on right now, simply search up The Artist Interview and maybe follow us, like us, share it with a friend. That'll all be appreciated. And I hope that you can be blessed by the episodes too. Take care, all the best. God bless. Bye-bye. Talking to some of the best names in contemporary Christian music. This is the Hope FM Artist Interview.